pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Melder scores. scored in the corner. Welcome to the 2021 season of Above the Horizontal at Rugby League Podcast. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson, and it's my pleasure to have you on board. I'm joined by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman for this episode as we discuss the five biggest NRL news stories of the offseason, our favourite moments from the All-Stars matches, and the chances of the teams who finished in the bottom five in 2020. I'm joined this afternoon by Miles Stebman and Kieran Gibson on what is a lovely Sunday afternoon here in Brisbane uh, for the very first episode of Above the Horizontal for 2021, which is part one of our pre-season discussions. A big shout out, of course, to all the fans that have stuck by us through the quiet off-season and uh, are ready for some NRL in 2021. And a shout out to any new fans and, of course, the best friend of the podcast, Owen now, let's just jump straight into the news, guys. Uh, a little bit of sad news to start off with. We've, we're going we're to choose five top news stories from the off-season, and, uh, and I thought it was a, uh, a, an idea to start with perhaps the saddest one, which was the passing of Keith Titmus uh, in November. We were all rocked by the news that Keith Titmus passed away shortly after presenting as ill during preseason training with the Manly Sea Eagles. Uh, Titmus was a promising player who stood to be a good chance to break into first grade this coming season after impressing previously in junior football. I remember uh, the 2017 grand final he was playing uh, in the, uh, I think it was Holden Cup, it was called back then, maybe Toyota Cup, and uh, and he scored a match-winning try uh, for the Sea Eagles in that uh, lower grade grand final. Of course, our belated condolences to his family and friends and anyone aggrieved miles you uh you live uh close to the area of manly um or have done previously uh was it uh pretty big news around the neighborhood at that time yeah sure well there was a, a much loved seagulls junior and i think everyone obviously knows him from that that grand final but he was uh yeah from all accounts uh, a really good fellow and uh, highly rated prospects so terribly sad that he would pass so young and uh Let's hope that he, his family gets some closure. Uh, I'm not sure if the, the details of his, his passing are ironed out perfectly just yet. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very sad, of course. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let's move on to some more confusing news, I suppose, which is Cameron Smith, who has appeared to have retired, but because he hasn't been signed by anybody for, for 2021, but hasn't officially retired. So he's going to turn 38 years old this year. The Storm have Harry Grant and Brandon Smith to juggle on their books, and they've just announced Jesse Bromwich and Dale Finucane as co-captains for the upcoming season. So Cameron Smith is probably still the game's premier dummy half. Rumours are persisting and growing stronger that he won't retire and will link up with the Gold Coast Titans. Well, that's what I've heard anyway. Obviously, this stands to be good business for the Titans, should it happen, but... Is it good business for Cameron Smith to play on for another year or two? Uh, Kieran, we've been hearing some uh, various reports uh, about the Gold Coast and to a lesser extent the Broncos. What do you make of this? Do you think he will go around one more time? And if he does, is it the right call? Uh, I've gone back and forth on this a lot and I've actually discussed with a, a mate who's uh, a fan of the podcast, actually, Lyle. Shout out to Lyle. He, he thinks that... Uh, Cameron Smith will go to the Titans, but I kind of think he's retired. But like one of Cameron Smith's many opponents throughout his career, I've actually got no idea what he's going to do. Um, there's talk going around that he could partner Bellamy at the Broncos as a, or Bellamy as a coaching director, and then uh, Smith join him there at the Broncos. Um, in which case, I would wish nothing but the worst for him in his uh, career, the rest of his career. <laughs> um, but I, I do think the Broncos makes a bit more sense than the Titans. Um, Although the Titans don't have a, an out-and-out hooker, so uh, I don't know. I, I'm i not sure what he'll do. I think he could definitely do it, so why not? And Miles, uh, same question. Is is Smith going to go around another year, and is that a good thing? Well, I think he'll be in pursuit of his, his former teammate Cooper Cronk's achievement of, of having won a premiership outside of the Melbourne Storm. So uh, it seems that that's going to happen. It's going to have to happen at one of the Queensland clubs now with, with Smith having moved to the Gold Coast 
supposedly in um, reading this morning, apparently the Broncos, supposedly the, the current favourites to sign um, to sign Smith if he, if he does go around again. Um, uh, obviously, competitively, Smith would, would surely favour a move to the Titans given the, the club uh, for once in its history is appearing to be well ahead of, of both their interstate rivals. Sorry, guys, but uh, <laughs> but obviously there's still not a lock for a finals berth, so so who knows, let alone a, a premiership push. But uh, surely to join the Broncos at this stage of his career would, would surely leave him with no option, but to kind of peter out his playing days in the, the infant stages of a rebuild. Um, so, yeah, I, I have really no idea what's going on. Smith's obviously playing it very close to his chest, but... Um, also, I did want to add that uh, I think we've missed a bit of a trick here, unfortunately, for the Storm. Um, they could have had two Bromwich captains as their... Or, sorry, two Bromwiches as their captains. And uh, I think they're currently the, the two most capped Storm players. So it's... Uh, uh, congratulations to Finucane. But uh, I feel like the NRL was robbed a bit there. Yeah, what a story that would be, uh, captaining with your brother. I, I've, I've played some indoor cricket with my little brother. Shout out to Tim. And uh, he's a much better cricketer than I am, I must admit. I'm, I'm the brains. He's the, uh, he's the talent. Um, and we, we never had the chance to co-captain. And I, I often wonder what that would be like. And uh, maybe the Bromwiches would be a good mix or maybe it would be uh, toxic as heck. I'm not, I'm not sure. But you're right, it would be a great headline. Um, speaking of headlines, let's move on to number three on our list of big news stories, the Falau near miss. Falau, who is Israel Falau, of course, who is currently contracted with the Catalans Dragons, was reportedly sought out by another Dragons club, the St. George Illawarra Dragons. The day after that news broke, the club formally announced they weren't pursuing Falau. Such was the backlash they received. It's reported Falau is trying to have a meeting with the NRL about his future, but has been rejected until a club formally requests to sign him. Several clubs are reportedly playing chicken, but do we want Falau back in the game? Uh, I, for one, am not a fan of Israel Falau uh, and his personal politics, but that aside, I'm... And I'll put this to you guys as well. Is there much value in bringing back a guy who hasn't played the game for near enough a decade and is 32 years old as an outside back um i'll start with you miles do you want to see israel Falau back in the nrl well that's pretty much the exact uh same train of thought that i was uh lingering on i'm look i don't like the guy as a person either but uh particularly i'm, I'm not uh, i'm not overly bothered whether he returns or not i'm in a way i'm happy to let bygones be bygones but if, if I was a, a general manager, I, I wouldn't want to be paying Israel Flau for basically what are what would be his prior achievements in Australian sport. Um, as you said, Bo, over a, a decade since he last faced the intensity of the NRL, you know he'd command, command a lot of money. Um, and uh, you also wonder whether the media circus is worth it, really. So uh, if it were up to me, I would uh, I'd certainly be uh, giving that one a big miss. The St. George Illawarra Dragons found that the furor around even the potential signing of him was a bit too much for them. So, uh, Kieran, do you want to see Israel Folau back in the NRL? Uh, no, it, it would probably bother me a bit, I think. And uh, not getting too political, I, I do have to echo that I don't think it's worth bringing back someone that's 32 years old. Uh, even if he's got all that experience, um, do we know if he's going to perform the same way as you've uh, both just said? Uh, but I do wish Falau all the best with Jimmy Maloney in France. <laughs> that was uh, one of the, the lighter moments. I'm not sure if you caught that one, Miles. It was, Absolutely. It was basically, basically a form of sexual harassment uh, against Israel Falau, actually, if I come to think of it. Um, I'm sure that's what uh, sure. would call it. <laughs> Yeah, I think he'd call it blasphemy, actually. But hopefully he plays some good football for the Catalans Dragons and he stays right there, say we. Uh, Steve Matai was reported missing by the Daily Telegraph, but as it turns out, he was completely fine. So the Daily Te- Telegraph, which surely serves better use as a toilet paper nowadays, and I'm sure, Miles, you could attest to that being in someone from New South Wales. Uh, it's not actual journalism nowadays. It reported that Steve Matai was missing and there was grave concern for him. Uh, Matai, a notoriously private person and particularly in retirement, he spread the word that he was safe and well and the Daily Telegraph need to keep their noses in their own business. I don't really have much else to add to this one. I just wanted to rip on the Daily Telegraph. Uh, Miles, I'll give you first first go at that one. They uh, 
not handling themselves too well in that particular instance. Well, they, they really do, Bo. Um, but look, uh, my takeaway from this was that I, I, I really hope he's telling the truth. Uh, of course, I hope he is happy and well. And um, I, I, I don't think that the Daily Telegraph would have come out with it if there, if it wasn't true. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? But let, let's hope, uh, let's hope Matt I is well and, and happy and safe, and and that uh, nothing that uh, typically plagues. Uh, former footballers is, is plaguing him in this instance and that he's surrounded by his friends and his family. Here, here to that. And Kieran, I must say, surely the, the career male wouldn't come up with such a ghastly story uh, up here in Queensland. Uh, I, well, I can't think of a, a good uh, headline um, that they've come up with recently, but um, yeah, I, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I do hope, I have to echo what Miles said. I hope he does just live a, a private life, but uh, I have to say I, I like that he's passed on his beautiful timing of a, a brutal hit to George Tafua, which is uh, always great to see. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's go to the fifth news story. Roger Tuovasashek, this one actually makes me a little bit sad as well. Roger Tuovasashek is officially to become an All Black. Uh, last year, we unanimously agreed, actually, the three of us, that the only thing stopping Roger Tuovasashek from being the game's premier fullback was a guy named James Tedesco. Now it appears it'll be up to somebody else to challenge the throne after Roger agreed to terms with New Zealand Rugby Union starting next year. Obviously, he'll be a huge loss to our game and to the Warriors as an on-field team, but also as an organization. But as someone who pays very little attention to Rugby Union, uh, less than both of you guys, I want to know if he can successfully make the transition and in what position he'll play. I'll start with you, Kieran. Uh, do you reckon Tuvasa Shek breaks into the All Black side? Uh, I don't have a, a, as big a grasp on the international scene as my dad. Um, he's probably the better person to ask. He's not home at the moment. But um, I'm not too sure that the All Blacks are going through a bit of a transition phase. So that does work in uh, two of Asashek's favour, especially the outside backs. They um, Last year they rotated them a fair bit uh, throughout the series, the uh, Tri-Nations. Um, although I think Argentina played. Yeah, they played as well. Oh, South Africa is the team I'm thinking of that didn't come. But anyway, the game the game loses a real superstar to be proud of, and uh, the way he conducts himself on and off the field is exemplary. Um, he comes in that Darren Lockyer mould for mine with the way he carries himself, and uh, I would love if he could take the Warriors deep into the finals. Um, even if it seems unlikely, you just never know. They have a fair bit of talent over there uh, in the Warriors organisation, but uh, Miles, even more in the All Blacks. Uh, do you have some faith that RTS is going to be a hit? Look, he, he has the talent for sure, and, and he does have the, the history in the game, so I'm sure he has an idea of, of what it takes to play at that provincial level uh, in, in Super Rugby. But uh, look, very few league players who, who do attempt to take on New Zealand Rugby do succeed at the at the truly elite level, at least. Obviously, Sonny Bill Williams is the, the last to successfully do so. Um, Look, obviously, RTS is a similarly gifted player, so I certainly wouldn't bet against him. But I, I wouldn't be totally surprised uh, to find out that he's more suited to league. Just uh, same sort of way that guys like Benji Marshall were and, um, and and some of the others who probably weren't quite up to, to New, New Zealand rugby's standards. But uh, as, as Kieran sort of alluded to, the All Blacks have been, uh, I would uh, be bold enough to say, on the decline recently. So there's uh, certainly some spots up for grabbing the team. Oh, well, I mean, you know, for Australia to, to challenge them the way they did last season, <laughs> uh, you'd have to say they are on the decline. Exactly. Um, uh, speaking of uh, Australian and New Zealand rivalries, we've just gotten through the first hit-ups, so let's, let's get into the game plan a bit more. We're going to talk about the All-Stars clash that occurred last night as we recorded um, today. It's 10-all draw in the men's, and the women's was a 24-0 victory to the uh, Maldi ladies. So a 10-all draw tries to Jordan Ricky and Dallin Wateni Zelezniak for the Maldives, while the Indigenous Australians drew level late in the game with a try to Alex Johnston and a penalty goal to Latrell Mitchell. Um, Kieran, what was your favourite moment from the All-Stars clash? My favourite moment was uh, a moment that I appreciate, but I never really liked that much until last night. It was the, the war cries at the beginning, um, but it was also the respect shown between both sides after they'd finished their respective traditional war dances. The, the raw emotion shown on the players' faces just really portrayed how much it meant to the two sides, and it highlighted what an important fixture it is for the Indigenous communities. 
hear here to that. Miles, it's pretty hard to beat uh, the various war dances of, of the Polynesian nations, uh, but also of the Indigenous Australians. Yeah, absolutely. I, I echo Kieran in that one, and I'm, I'm not much of an all-star game guy myself, so I, I'm happy to call those, uh, those war dances, which I happened to catch the start of um, as my favourite moment from the game. But I'm very keen, actually, to, to hand out a dishonourable mention on second thoughts for Latrell Mitchell, who, uh, well, not maybe not Latrell, but the, the, the Indigenous team as a whole, who I think should have gone for the win in those final few minutes there instead of tying the game up. Come on, guys, it's an all-star game. Go for the win. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, come to think of it, you've got a good point. They're not playing for sheep, for sheep stations or a premiership. No, I suppose there are bragging no rights. No time either. No. A crazy thought to think about it. Um, yeah, they absolutely should have gone for it. That reminds me of an old uh, a rugby scenario from the Jonah Lomu Rugby Union game back in the mid-90s where it was like, 24-21, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm going to take the penalty goal because I'm conservative, <laughs> but maybe Latrell Mitchell picked the same uh, same option every time. Um, I'm going to give uh, my highlights to actually Latrell Mitchell. So yes, there is a dishonorable mention, and I'll probably give mine to Zane Mus- Musgrove for for getting suspended for three weeks. Uh, that's not the best look for him uh, for a shoulder charge. But um, from all reports, uh, Fisher Harris, uh, Jordan Ricky. Uh, Ruben Cotter, they all made good accounts of themselves, but when it really mattered and, the, and they were down 10-2 with five minutes left, it was Latrell Mitchell that had the grubber kicked uh, for the try assist for Alex Johnson. He had the try-saving tackle uh, close to his line, and then, of course, the easy conversion right in front that he should have totally tapped and played on, according to Miles Stedman. But uh, a big season ahead for Latrell Mitchell. Speaking of the season ahead, as we round out the first half, we've got a couple of season previews for uh, some teams that finished towards the bottom of the table in 2020. And we're going to start at the very bottom, which I'm glad to say is the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, First of all, in terms of roster changes, guys, they've got a few ins, but nothing too major. They've got John Asiata from the Cowboys. They've got Dale Copley, uh, Miles' good baseball friend. Um, (laughs) Hits the cleanest ball you've ever seen, Miles, you reckon, Dale Copley. So he's come over from the Titans. David Mead has uh, returned to the NRL. And Isaiah Tass, who I believe was a Bulldogs junior. And of course, Kevin Walters, uh, by the way, is the incoming coach. That's the ins for the Broncos. The outs are fairly significant. They've got no Jack Bird, no Darius Boyd, no David Fafita. Uh, Very recently lost Andrew McCulloch, uh, Sean O'Sullivan, Joe Offerhengawe, and Isaiah Perese, uh, which not only affects their top line depth, but... uh, also a little bit of that that bottom line depth as well. So a few roster changes there. Um, let's talk about some positives for the season ahead. Miles, what do you see as a positive for the Broncos? Maybe with that with that recruitment, or or maybe just just something else. <laughs> well, it's certainly not the recruitment. Um, uh, I think the the one positive for the Broncos here is that they're they're starting from a clean slate. Uh, obviously, Anthony Milford probably. The only contract left that the, the Broncos would probably prefer to move on, but um, look, obviously anything's possible for a player as talented as he, uh, especially behind the coaching of, of Kevin Walters. But look, the rest of the roster is is basically bare bones and an unchiselled talent, which means the club will at least get a, a proper look at, at who is an NRL talent and who's not. So that's probably what they're playing for this season. Yeah, sounds kind of bleak. Kieran, can you come up with anything more positive than that? Um, I've got that uh, COVID is subsiding, tap wood, so fans don't have to stay back and leave in segments, leaving them to boo the Broncos players for longer. (laughs) (laughs) I am am a a little interested to see Milford, as uh, Miles said, under Walters as head coach, given so much was made of Milford's form in 2015, being down to Walters halves coaching. Uh, if Milford can find form, I think this team can fire. Um, and other positive notes include the Asiata signing. Um, I think Ricky will have an outbreak season, and their whole team is littered with youngsters booming with potential. Yeah, I'd say that's the biggest positive for the Broncos heading into this season. Uh, no Fafita is a is a big loss, I think. Uh, Offerhand Gow is a bit of a loss, but Asiata offsets that loss, I would say. There's a lot of young talent with a lot of upside there. As long as they're not bruised by the experience of 2020 so uh for for me surely they've they've got to focus on that forward pack and getting them up to not just nrl standard but also the standard that their potential allows they have very high ceilings some of those boys 
let's talk about some barriers to success. They ran into a few last year as they came last. Um, Kieran, what do you see as being a, a big barrier for the Broncos in 2021? I don't think you can say that they have an established halves pairing in the sense that Milford hasn't learned how to really kill a game or even control and take on a game. Um, maybe he's not that type of player, but he kind of needs needs to be a little bit more with uh, Tom Dearden and the halves with him. Um, and two of their biggest stars in Staggs and Haas will miss the beginning of the season in which I think they need to win early to gain some lost confidence from last year. And I really think they needed to go big on a, a fullback or a half in the offseason that has real leadership qualities. Uh, McCulloch could have provided that. And uh, I do rate Carrigan highly, but he is very young and a, a more experienced head would have helped. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much all that. Miles, uh, do you have any other barriers to success for the Broncos? <laughs> well, I'm going to um, I'm gonna click the uh, all of the above box here. <laughs> I think the, obviously the front office has been an absolute mess without Wayne Bennett sort of uh, bailing the club out in the field almost if you, if you know what I mean. Um, they obviously owe Anthony Stebold a, a truckload of money and, and the man that they've chosen to replace him is, is almost entirely on name brand alone really. Um, obviously there's big questions being asked of many of the club's main um, swinging dicks if you will like uh, Peter Nolan who's the, the boss of the football department and Darren Lockyer, who uh, I'm not exactly sure what he does, but he's, he's on the board and he apparently has some sort of say in the, the show. So, um, look, I think if they've judged this higher, uh, even as close to as, as wrong as they judged the Seabowl one there, I think the club will be in a genuine crisis. Yeah, like, can you imagine if winning the first wooden spoon ever and it's such a, such a, a, a well-backed and a fortunate club is not already a crisis, then I'll tell you what, if it gets worse than this, they'll... Uh, heads will definitely roll for me i would say all the all of what you guys said i agree the leadership void uh, milford's inability to take charge um some unproven playmakers around him a weak spine assuming that cameron smith does not sign for them um but i'm worried about their point scoring to be honest they've got katoni stags out for the first half of the season um and players like tessie new who's fairly well, if you will allow the pun, new to the centre position. Um, and uh, Dale Copley doesn't inspire a lot of confidence replacing someone like Katoni Stagg. So um, I'm worried about their point scoring, to be honest. Uh, and like you, Miles, Kevin Walters does, does not inspire a lot of faith in me. So uh, there's a few barriers that I could identify there. Let's talk about some bold predictions. This could be about anything to do with the club, really, except for maybe where they were going to finish. My bold prediction is... After being recruited to lead the Broncos into a future of sustained success, Brody Croft will be shopped around by the Broncos and they will pay out a significant chunk of the rest of his contract for him to play elsewhere. So for me, that's Brody Croft will not finish the season at the Broncos. He'll be shopped around. Miles, what is your bold prediction for the Broncos? Well, I've gone down a similar path. Uh, obviously, you've alluded to Brody Croft there, the the club's halfback. Uh, I assume that the, the Broncos are going to come not quite firing out of the gates and and, and probably lose a, a fair few of the the games to begin the season. And I think that when Katoni Staggs is fit and healthy for selection, I wouldn't be surprised to see Milford move to halfback and Staggs brought into 5-8 just to try and save the season. Ooh. He played a little bit of 5-8, didn't he? He didn't look too bad he did. there. He did. I actually... Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. If, if I were the Broncos' back coach, this would be my backup option. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. They lose a bit of strike out wide, but you get the ball in his hands more often. It could be success. So, Katoni exactly. uh, Staggs to play 5-8 to try and salvage their season when he returns. I like that. I like that. Kieran, what's your ball prediction? Uh, I've just realized that Kevin Walters being the coach kind of throws a spanner in the works for this. Not that I necessarily want this to happen, but I, I believe Milford will be relegated to a bench role or worse at some point throughout the season. Ooh, and that would be uh, quite a fall from grace. As you say, Kevin Walters pretty much handed Milford origin jerseys when he didn't deserve it. Um, I say so he's obviously a fan of Milford. That would be... That would be quite a tremendous fall from grace, and it might require Miles's bold prediction coming true and Stags moving into 5-8 to piss Milford off somewhere else. That would be, uh, that would be really <laughs> something. Let's talk about predicted finishes, guys. Obviously, they came last last year. Uh, for me, bottom four, absolutely. 
it won't be quite as disastrous a season for them, uh, but they won't make significant enough improvements until they sort out their spine, as far as I'm concerned. So this is all assuming that Cameron Smith does not sign for them. If he does, their spine looks a lot better. Um, but as it stands, they are a genuine chance of going back-to-back wooden spoons. I'd say it's them or the Dragons at this stage. Uh, Kieran, where, what is, where are the Broncos going to finish this year? Well, I've got the exact same as you. I've got either the, the Dragons or the Broncos finishing last. So second last or last. Miles, what are you thinking? Same as you, gentlemen. I've, I've got those two as the bottom two, and I'm going to pluck out the Broncos as the last place team here. All right. So not good news for the Broncos, although would you rather listen to Above the Horizontal or Shane Flanagan, who tipped that they would make eighth position? That seems quite bold <laughs> if you ask me, Mr. <laughs> Flanagan. Um, but uh, I know who I'd rather Sign listen to. Sign the guy up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He obviously believes. He believes and he's looking exactly. for a job. So, uh, you know, get him in. All right, let's talk about the Bulldogs who made quite a few signings. They didn't sign Flanagan Senior, but they did sign Flanagan Junior, who uh, will be their halfback leading into the season for the Canary Bulldogs. They came second last last year, narrowly escaping on points differential. Their signings include Corey Allen, uh, a now State of Origin rep, Nick Kotrick, who is a State of Origin rep, Kyle Flanagan, a very promising halfback, Jack Heather from the Panthers, Paul Karaitiana, uh, Chris Patolo, Kurt Picken, Jackson Topine, who had a game last night for the uh, Moldy All-Stars uh, All and apparently played quite well, um, Corey Waddell from the Seagulls. There's also some chance of getting Matt Burton to the club earlier uh, from the Panthers after he has signed for the uh, 2022 season, although it appears the Panthers are determined to put up a fight there. And they've got a new coach in Trent Barrett. So there's a lot of ins there and a lot of roster changes. Uh, the ones that are out are Jack Cogger, Kieran Foran, Kerrit Holland, who retired, Tim Laffey, Marcelo Montoya, Remus Smith, Sao Sue, Isaiah Tass, who moved to the Broncos, and Aiden Tolman, who has moved to the Sharks. Guys, positives for the season ahead. Uh, Miles, what are, you, what are you thinking for the Bulldogs? What's the big positive for them? Well, Trent Barrett's work with Nathan Cleary has been really highly thought of, and, and despite an ignominious head coaching stint at the Sea Eagles, the NRL seems largely ready to, to give him another chance, and the Bulldogs have also managed to move on the <laughs> luckless ball and chain that is Kieran Foran, um, for whom everything seemed to go wrong from day one at the club, so a few positives there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Kieran, what are you thinking for the positives for the season ahead? Uh, definitely the the talent that they've brought across to the club. It's a, a lot of young talent, but if they can form some strong combinations, um, they've got a good chance. If they don't make the finals this season, which I don't think they will, they can definitely build for seasons to come. Yeah, look, I agree. Like as as Miles said, new coach, a lot of fresh faces, very very good. Um, I, I'm liking the the genuine competition for places in the backline. And and some and some depth in in forward positions, which which only bodes well. Um, I like the signing of Kyle Flanagan. Uh, the the Roosters were in a premiership window. They just won two, and they wanted more success, and they want it in the short term while they've got the the, the squad to do it. They couldn't be patient with Kyle Flanagan while he was learning NRL standard rugby league. But the Bulldogs can. They are in a rebuild, and they they're building players around him who suit his style and will soon be joined by Matt Burton uh, potentially as early as this season. They've got a backline capable of scoring points with Nick Kotrick, with Corey Allen. Uh, you've obviously got uh, Josh Adokar coming in 2022. Uh, look, I've, I think improvement is very likely this season for the Bulldogs, but there might be some barriers to that. Uh, what do you see as some potential hiccups for the club, Kieran? Uh, I have to wonder if their their poor finishes from last season will plague them again. They had a, a lot of games that they could have closed out, and as a young side, I, I don't know that um, that kind of losing games, as the Knights kind of said, Nathan Brown said many times, all of those games that the Knights lost when they were going through a real rough patch would have helped that young side. I don't know if uh, a young side like the Bulldogs, it really helps losing close games at help your confidence at all and I don't know if if next year they'll get in that same kind of mindset again when a game is close Um, and they also lack some quality players especially enough quality uh, in the halves which is just so crucial for a premiership success 
Yeah, I think you're right about that. Miles, what barriers can you see? Well, I don't think I'm quite as high on the, the Bulldog sign-in as everyone else. Um, as listeners of this show would know, uh, I'm not a massive Corey Allen fan. I, in fact, I think he projects as one of the, the tripwire signings of this most recent off-season, as, as was Tony Williams all those years ago. Mm. Um, I think he scored an undue state of origin appearance for a weakened Queensland squad, and it seemed to score him an excessive amount of praise. And I don't even think he played that well, to be honest. Like if we remember, this guy wasn't even good enough to be playing in the NRL at this time last year. So, uh, and likewise with with the money that they spent on Nick Kotrick, he one would have expected him to command first dibs on the fullback position, but it looks like it's going to go to Allen now. So, whether Kotrick's going to play in the centre or on the wing, it, it does seem like a a lot of money to invest in those positions and and also Kyle Flanagan too um I think he's also benefited from uh, a lot of the uh the anti-roosters sentiment out there um and he he of course received that sort of outpouring of sorrow when he was released but I think realistically if if the Chooks don't think he's a premiership quality halfback why waste your time with him well I it'll be interesting to see uh, which one of us is right there because I'm backing him in. You're backing him maybe slightly out. Um, I oh, would Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Let's see who's right. <laughs> uh, barriers to success for me. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking along similar lines. Uh, there's not enough strike in their spine or in their halves particularly. Uh, and if injury does strike, say if, uh, Kyle Flanagan has a serious injury. I'm, I'm not entirely sure they have the depth to uh, be competitive um, if they lose their main halfback this year. So um, I would say they need a lot of luck because there's there's some depth issues. I would also uh, like to briefly point out the situation involving Adam Elliott and former teammate Michael Leacher, um, which... Uh, stands to be potentially explosive and could cause division among the playing ranks uh, given that there was an element of, of, of cheating and with fiancés and drunkenness and all that sort of stuff that good close-knit teams just don't need going into a season where they are underdogs and they need to scrap and fight together for every victory. So uh, Adam Elliott's a fairly key player in their forward pack. So uh, if, if there's some disharmony amongst the club uh, that could spell trouble for them let's make a bold prediction guys i think the bulldogs will spend at least four weeks of the season inside the top eight but won't have the ability to keep up with the best teams finishing probably uh, a little bit outside the eight so uh i would say they're going to have at least a month of top eight football but not quite enough depth to match it with the best teams miles what is your bold prediction for the bulldogs I've got a similar bold prediction to you, uh, although it is slightly more nebulous. So I think Barrett, as I alluded to, that the being the halfback whisperer of the NRL, yeah, I think he does actually help turn Flanagan's career around. And uh, I, I think potentially this could have been the, the absolute best landing spot for, for Flanagan the younger. And I, I think the Bulldogs will, uh, rounding the straight, I think they'll be in with a shot to, to make the top eight. All right, so... Uh yeah, all right. So in, in contention, very cool, very cool. Um, Kieran, what's your bold? Um, I, I'm quite glad Miles said what he said because it makes me a little more confident about mine. I've got Kyle Flanagan finishing in the top five scoring players this season. Well, that means they needed a lot of points, but with some uh, some try scoring out there in, in Kotrick and, and a few of the others, they have Dalman Tunisiet, Lesniak, and Will Hopawati. They've, they've got a chance. Jake Avarillo as well, of course. Not sure where he's going to play this season, but um, there's some talent there, that's for sure. Let's talk about predicted finishes. It sounds to me like uh, Miles and I are going to be fairly close here. Uh, look, look, we all know that the Tigers have sewn up ninth place, so before we go into that. <laughs> um, so I think... I think the Bulldogs will land somewhere between 10th and 12th, uh, which will, of course, be a steady improvement and a platform, obviously, for a, a more genuine top eight tilt next year when they have a bit more of the cavalry arrive. Uh, Kieran, where do you reckon they're going to land? I've got the exact same, 10th to 12th. Cool. And, and Miles? Well, uh, I know I sort of pumped them up with my bold prediction, but I, I think, unfortunately... I can see the the dogs collapsing spectacularly in the the back nine of the season. I think they're actually going to finish the season in third last. Third last, okay, all right. Fourteenth for those playing at home. 
Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> just doing some quick maths, <laughs> uh, big shack style. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, that brings us to halftime, guys. So uh, thanks very much. We've got a few more to do after the halftime break. We're going to hear from our sponsors and, of course, my other podcast, Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade. Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now, a short tribute to a fellow podcaster gone too soon, by Miles Stedman. Anybody and anybody who had a passion for both NFL football and podcasting knew Chris Wessling. He was a giant of both spaces. Quick as a whip and twice as wise, Wessling loved sharing his knowledge and thoughts on football with anyone and everyone as much as he loved the sport itself. Most importantly, Chris loved his young family, his wife Lakeisha and his young son Link. More than he was a football cognoscenti, Wes was a loving husband and heartfelt father. Chris lost his battle with cancer earlier this month, the day before the Super Bowl, and although only coming late in his life, both his marriage and his son were the happiest years he knew. As Wes liked to say, heed the call. Live life the way your heart is telling you to live it, and don't be afraid or ashamed of doing so. With Chris's death, aged just 46, the world lost a great informer and entertainer, and an even greater man. He inspired me to share my love of one of my favourite sports the same way he did. Goodbye, Chris, and thank you for being a part of my life for this past decade. All right, so this halftime segment, we are talking about some birthday chat. We've got a few uh, players in the NRL celebrating birthdays, uh, including Daily Cherry Evans, who turns uh, 32, I believe, very shortly. But Benji Marshall... Turns 36 this week, guys. He's just signed a new contract with Wayne Bennett's South Sydney Rabbitohs. Um, Benji Marshall, by all reports, turned it on a little bit last night uh, for the Maldives uh, and playing with his younger cousin, Jeremy Marshall King. Uh, so he's still going okay, um, according to all reports. How will the Rabbitohs best utilize someone like Benji Marshall, considering they've got, you know, Latrell Mitchell at fullback, uh, they've got Cody Walker in career best form last year with Adam Reynolds, who's also in very good form, and Damian Cook at hooker. How are they best going to use Benji Marshall? I might lean on, on you for this one, Kieran. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know that I really like this signing. Uh, I, I love Bennett's side as it is without him. Um, they have such a fit team with back rowers that can punch out big minutes. So it seems to me that uh, Benji will sel- seldomly be used. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really not sure where he slots in. I, I know that Bennett is the master tactician and uh, the Rabbitohs don't have a star half to come in for injuries, although Troy Dargan um, is still young and could prove handy. But Otherwise, as you said, that the Raptors have a, a star-studded spine, and I, I don't really see where Benji comes in at all. Miles, do you envision a, a brighter future for Mr. Marshall? I do. I, I think it's. I, I personally think it's good, Sani. I, I think all teams with premiership aspirations need to have that sort of reliable backup playmaker. Uh, and I think when he's um, when he's not in the starting side, um, I think he'll be perfect off the bench as a, a spark plug or, or something of the sort, and which we saw him sort of turn out for um, the Broncos in that role and the number 14 role. So I think uh, regardless of where he's playing each week, whether it's uh, off the bench, um, in the reserves, or, or even starting for the, the Rabbitohs, I think it would be a good signing. I'm probably I'm probably leaning more towards you on this one, Miles, and I think I can envision him being on the bench as well. Obviously, he's not going to displace any of those four that we mentioned. He's not a centre. He's not a forward. 
Um, you don't want him making a bunch of tackles, and you probably don't want him playing big minutes either uh, at his age. Um, the, 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 the less minutes you give him, the more impact he's going to have. Let's not forget that Wayne Bennett was the coach for Queensland when they, when they used Harry Grant off the bench and for all of his stints, or at least the vast majority of it, had Jake Friend on the field as well. So they were working in tandem. Could Benji Marshall work as this sort of roving kind of playmaker slash impact player with Damian Cook, with Cody Walker, with Adam Reynolds on the field? I think he could for 20 minutes a week. And as you say, if, if Cody Walker goes down with an injury, what better replacement in the NRL than, than Benji Marshall? Happy birthday to Benji Marshall for later in the week. Big 36. Uh, makes him a little bit older than all of us. Uh, only slightly older than me. And yeah, uh, two out of three of us reckon that he's going to have a good season. Again, watch this space. Kieran, a tough job for us here because we're both uh, Cowboys fans. Uh, We've got to try and speak as objectively as possible about our beloved side. Uh, But I'm sure we can manage it because we're professionals here at Above the Horizontal. And if nothing else, Miles Stedman is very good at keeping us in check. So uh, (laughs) let's, let's jump into the Cowboys who came... Uh, third last, or as Miles readily informed us previously, that means 14th. Um, so the Cowboys have not been that busy on the market, to be honest. They've they've signed uh, Michael Bell uh, and Kane Bradley, who are both backline options. They've got Lachlan Burr from the Warriors. Uh, they've got Hylum Luki, Jeremiah Nanai, and the highly rated Griffin Neem, who is a, a middle forward uh, coming through the juniors. And, of course, the signing of Todd Payton from the Warriors as head coach, which I think is a good one. Their outs uh, include John Asiata, as we mentioned, going to the Broncos to strengthen their forward pack. Gavin Cooper, who retired. Tom Opechik, who has moved to the Eels. Uh, Dan Russell, a, a promising center that never quite made it, so he has been released. Uh, Tuki Mihia Simpkins. It has been let go, as has Garrett Smith. So, uh, look, apart from the the retirement of Gavin Cooper, uh, there isn't really a a lot of movement there for the Cowboys. So, what are some positives for the season ahead? I'm going to give uh, the unbiased Miles Stedman uh, first crack at this one. Well, look, I think based on his achievements with the Warriors, um, which have been rivaled by no head coach since Ivan Cleary, uh, the Cowboys look to, to be onto a real winner with, with Todd Payton. Uh, obviously, despite a number of uh, higher profile and, and more experienced departures, the, the club obviously still bears the bones of a, a premiership winner. There's still talented players such as Scott Drinkwater and even uh, Hamisa Tabuai Fido, the Hammer, <laughs> who have uh, previously maligned on this podcast. Uh, they're all young and they're, they're all in key positions. So. Uh, they could be doing a lot worse. Um, the forward pack, obviously, as well, still has plenty of size to it. And I think if um, if Peyton's sentiments can catch on earlier, I think the Cowboys could easily be within a chance to qualify for the postseason. Well, I, I like hearing that from an unbiased person. Uh, Kieran, uh, do you agree? I do. I, I really like the the appointment of Todd Payton at the club and uh, the fact that Michael Morgan is starting the season fit after some much-needed surgery. Uh, Peyton's hoping hoping to rejuvenate and reinvent the Cowboys' attack and much more importantly, defensive systems. Um, and the Cowboys are also moving into a, a new world-class training facility, which uh, I, I think that that will uh, have a, a positive effect as well. Not to mention their bloody cool stadium, which I still haven't visited. Um, but next Townsville trip, I'm going to try and line it up with a with a Cowboys home game and see if I can attend. Um, I agree with both of you. Todd Payton is the obvious one here. The thing that uh, Paul Green got the Cowboys to such a good spot uh, where they were in a premiership window and they, they won a premiership and challenged for another couple. But as I wrote about for Real Sport back in the day, organizational inertia, it got them. They, 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 they got happy with their process and they stayed with them and stuck with them no matter what. Todd Payton sounds like a guy that is not going to stick with the uh, previously tread path. So I'm very excited about that. It, it may not yield immediate results, uh, especially with the lack of roster changes, but I think that he is a real positive for them. Let's talk about some barriers to success. Kieran, I'll, I'll let you start with the bad news. Uh, what's going to stop the Cowboys from winning their second premiership? <laughs> 
I've got a defense, 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 and sadly, I'm not talking about the Cowboys defending the title for a third successive year. <laughs> but defense is their main issue with some key players featuring high on the the missed tackles list from last season. Uh, one game in particular against the Storm um, last season really sticks out, and it needs to be much better if the Cows are to be any chance of making the finals. Um, I also believe the squad can't be chopped and changed too much, but I do like that, uh, as you said, Todd Payton is a... Uh, not going to stick with the same kind of formula the whole season, but um, I, I would like to see a regular halves pairing of Drinkwater and Morgan. Um, if that doesn't stay the same, I think that that could be a, a barrier to success. And I would have Robson starting with a rotation with Cotter throughout the season. That's uh, that's straight up Jake Granville slander, and you know that Chris Waring will stand for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go with uh, with Miles. What do, what do you see as being a problem for the Cowboys this year? Uh, well, I uh, I think that it could just as easily go wrong for the, the young Cowboys spine as well, uh, especially if Mark Morgan continues his uh, on-field and off-field disappearing acts. So, look, uh, I, they are a young team, and with young team comes those sort of young player risks. Yeah, for me, it's... I mean, like, I've, I've spoken glowingly on the appointment of Todd Payton, and he may have his new plans and his new support staff, which is all really good, but it is largely the same roster that has underperformed for the last three seasons. Uh, I mentioned Griffin Neem. He's very promising. Tom Gilbert looks good as well, and we know that Hamaso is blessed with attributes. But until the Cowboys really reform their roster... I think we can expect another modest season. I, I just don't think they have the cattle, if you will, uh, to use a Cowboys pun. Um, <laughs> let's go with a bold prediction, guys. Miles, what is your bold prediction for the Cowboys season? Well, um, I'm going to bring up uh, one of your favourites, Bo, Valentine Holmes, who, who last year looked, I think, set on emulating the form of his former New York Jets teammates. Uh, in, he, I think he's going to enjoy a, a bit of a career revival under Todd Payton, and I, I think he'll actually end up sort of shoving his chips into the center of a table for a, a Queensland fullback jersey, if you will. Wow. That's a, that's a big call considering the amount of fullbacks that Queensland have. I mean, of course, Corey Allen. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> just he's the incumbent, you know. Um, can't rule him out. Uh, no, I, I, I would love to see that. I'd love to see some, love me some Valentine Holmes. Kieran, what is yours? Um, mine's a bit of a, a wild card one, but I've got Hamiso Tabuai Fido to score at least four tries that start in his own half. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so like four long long range efforts from the hammer. Uh, he may like he probably had at least a couple last season and an abbreviated season, so I, I do like that call and I'd love to see it happen. Uh, mine's a bit more of a somber one. Um, I don't think Michael Morgan will get back to the form of previous seasons. And, of course, he didn't play for the Maroons in the most recent campaign, but I think most of us agree that he would usually be a, a walk-up, at least uh, on the bench for the for the Maroons. But I think it's going to cost him his Maroon jersey. I, I, I don't think he's going to play for the Maroons this year. I think he'll be fit, but I don't think he'll play. Um, so I hope it doesn't happen. I really do, but I've just got a funny feeling. I think, I think Morgo might not be at his best, and if he is going to get that Maroon jersey back, it might be in future seasons, but uh, time will tell. Uh, let's talk about predicted finishes. I, I acknowledge that I speak with bias. Um, I can't. I can't see the Cowboys losing this one. Uh, premiership win? No. Um, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't see the Cowboys finishing higher than twelfth. I, I. I just don't see. I don't see a lot of 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 movement in the right direction apart from uh, in the backroom area so uh, unless some of these rookies really fire like miles said it can go either way with with young players uh we saw with the broncos it didn't fire last year uh i can't see them finishing higher than 12th uh miles what what do you think well i can see them finishing higher than 12th uh but i I think that uh in in maybe a preview for a future episode here as well uh i think peyton will be pipped at the post by his replacement at the warriors and uh finish 11th Right, so the worry is to finish higher than 11th, all right? And Kieran, where do you... Uh, are you able to put your bias aside uh, and predict anything but a premiership? <laughs> uh, I, I won't predict a, a premiership this season, maybe next season. Well, we'll, we'll uh, really go for it, but uh, it's hard not to be a little biased, and I am quite optimistic about the season, but the, the Cowboys' defense last season was just so woeful, I can't justify a top-eight finish. So I see the Cowboys coming around about 10th, 
All right, that sounds like we're pretty much on the same page there, guys. Uh, but uh, let's move forward to a team that maybe has a bit more potential to finish in the top eight, the Manly Sea Eagles, who finished 13th last year. Their ins are Josh Alloway, Andrew Davey, Sione Finu, Kieran Foran returns uh, to the to the Holy Land, uh, Tolutau Kaola, uh, Jason Saab from the Dragons, Christian Tuipulotu, uh, Alec Tuitabaki, and Ko Weeks are all the ins. That includes some of the development players. Uh, the outs are, are, of course, as we mentioned, Keith Titmus, who passed away. Um, we've also got Brendan Elliott, Adam Fanua Blake, uh, Danny Levi, uh, Luke Metcalf, Abbas Miski, Braden Musgrove, Sam Smith, Joel Thompson, who I think is actually quite a big out, Corey Waddell, who uh, they miss a bit of that back row depth, and Tony Williams uh, finally petered out that career of his. So there's a, a fair bit of movement uh, in the Seagulls. Uh, spoiler alert, of the five teams we're covering today, they're the only ones to not have a head coach change, with Des has the remaining there. Um, Kieran, what are some positives for the season ahead for the Manly? Uh, I struggled, not that I think this uh, Manly are necessarily going to have a bad season, but I struggled to think of any real bona fide, uh, I guess, strong points as positives for the season ahead, other than that um, they'll be keen to put last season behind them and uh, get on with it this season. And they have snagged a strong replacement for Fenua Blake in Josh Alloway, or Alloway, however it's pronounced. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce that one either. I've gone with Alloway, but uh, it, it could be anything else. So apologies to Josh. Um for that one, uh, although I don't think I'd get much sympathy, he'd get much sympathy from Tigers fans the way he carried on towards the end of his tenure there. Uh, Miles, what do you see as positives for the Manly Seagulls season ahead? Well, I think the big positive for the Seagulls is that it's as Kieran says, the start of another season, and and Tom Trebojevic is coming in healthy. Most importantly, um, the club's also added a another uh, chef to the the very stinky 5-8 kitchen um, obviously bringing back uh, two-time premiership winner Kieran Foran to I think presumably start the season in the, the number 6 jersey um, if his body still works that is <laughs> yeah it, it really will depend on if he's fit uh, the positive for me is also Foran's inclusion um, it brings that experience and ability to the halves to partner DCE allowing Dylan Walker to return to what I think is his best position which is in the centres it gives him a much more balanced attack and, and you know if Tommy Turbo is fit like like you mentioned Miles uh, it gives him a, a real nice shape there um, which could lead to many many points what are some barriers to that success though i might start with you there miles on that one well you alluded to it earlier uh des hasler the only coach from the the bottom five teams to survive and uh i don't know if that's a good thing uh he he used to be of course far ahead of the curve with his his emphasis on things such as sports science and and recovery and um which i'm sure he both wish he'd he'd been offered when he was a player and um, and and of course now the the rest of the league is caught up with all this stuff and and you know you, you see stuff like GPS trackers and Pilates practiced at pr- pretty much every club so uh, it's no longer something that's unique to Hasler and uh, look is he a strong enough technical coach to to rule over an NRL club anymore I, I think that remains to be seen. All right, yeah, I it's um I think he was a little bit unlucky last year with with some of the injuries. Um, that got them to 12 or 13th or rather but I uh, yeah we haven't seen evidence of, of Hasler being a successful coach for quite a while now um, Kieran do you agree with that is is that the barrier to success for you I do see it as a, a barrier to success sure um, he wasn't great although the Bulldogs didn't have a, a great squad he wasn't great there and he's come over and he hasn't uh, done a whole lot in his time since he's come over but uh, I also have last season although I th- from memory they tailed off towards the end of the season mm. um, but before that I have them they were great one week and then shite the next uh, this needs to be fixed up if they're to have any chance at cracking the top 8 a bit of consistency absolutely and all the best uh, teams in the league have that for me they also have luck and what the Seagulls have got on their roster is a lot of uh, injury-prone players, uh, like Tommy Turbo, who's a key player. Uh, Kieran Foran, of course, is also a key player. Uh, do they have the depth in the hooking role? I- I'm not so sure. Um, 
what about their forward strength? They look a lot weaker to me, not having uh, Fanua Blake or Joel Thompson in their forward pack, uh, which is likely to test their depth both in the middle and the edge and at fullback and at 5'8 and at hooker. So to me, a couple of key injuries and, and they're in big strife, the Manly Sea Eagles. A lot of people are tipping them to make the eight, but um, I'm... Well, I'm not going to reveal just yet, but let's just say not tipping that. <laughs> uh, uh, let's go with a bold prediction. Uh, Kieran, if you will. Foran will go the season uninjured and uh, provide a bit of uh, direction for the club that will mean DCE can um, play a bit more off the cuff. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, people in the Northern Beaches would celebrate at that. Wouldn't you agree, Miles? Yeah, well, that's that's sort of my uh, my bold prediction as well. Uh, I think uh, Desi will take to uh, wheeling Kieran Foran down to to North Curl at six a.m. each morning to dunk him in the uh, life giving waters of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> I think this will see Foran uh, revive his career, and I, I am actually going to tip him to start every game for the Seagulls this season. Right. Uh, just just on that very briefly, do you guys picture him playing hooker or, or is uh, is he quite firmly a 5'8", Miles? I think 5'8". Yeah, yeah 5'8". I, I, I got to think that he's going to play 5'8". Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. There was some talk about hooker, but I just don't see it. The bold prediction for me, I think Manly will be spurred to at least five wins from their first seven games before falling in a heap later in the season as the lack of depth <laughs> takes its toll. So uh, five from seven to start the season because they're going to have those key players on deck. Um, but, you know, will they will they make the eight? I, I don't think so. And my predicted finish for them, I actually, I actually don't see them improving on last year, uh, funnily enough. I, I, I think it does... I think it's the cynic in me because... I love Kieran Foran. I love Tom Trevojevic. I love DCE. I like Jake Trevojevic. Uh, Martin Tapao. Like, they've got a lot of like real good ingredients there. But I'm just I'm convinced that two out of five of those guys are going to have like season-ending injuries, and that's just going to really ruin them. So I think they're in the bottom four, probably not competing with the Dragons or or Broncos for that last place. But uh, yeah, I, I don't see them improving. So I've got them maybe thirteenth. Uh, what do you think, Miles? Look, I, I'm not saying that you you guys do, but I, I personally like to steer clear of uh, predicting injuries or, or anything of the sort. And I like to, yes, take that into consideration, but uh, go forth with my predictions without um, taking injuries into an account. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since I've all got you indulging me for the moment, <laughs> uh, I think the Seagulls will squeak into the finals. I think they'll finish eighth. Uh, they'll be incredibly lucky to do so. But that's my honest opinion. Well, and I hope it happens. I, I do like the Manly Seagulls. I know that's an unpopular opinion. Um, Kieran, uh, do you fall closer to my prediction or maybe Miles's? Uh, I fall closer to, to Miles's prediction. I've got them finishing uh, around 7th to ninth. But I also like the Seagulls, uh, even if that's uh, an, an unpopular opinion. Wow, actually, I've, I've just got word in. We have to cancel the podcast because no one's listening anymore. <laughs> Um, they just credibility has flown out the door so unfortunately we've got to cancel it sorry Dragons we won't be covering your team actually let's get into the Dragons because I'm going to enjoy this one I think probably appreciate that yeah I was going to say it, it doesn't look that that promising for them so let's just dive into them this is our last team for this week uh, they came 12th last year um, and they would be very lucky to do so again this year I would suggest with ins that include uh, Daniel Alvaro from Parramatta Junior Amoni who is a young fullback I believe Jack Bird uh, speaking of injury prone players uh, if he can get on the field and play well he could be a, a good in uh, Cade Ellis uh Paoso Fa'a-Ma'asuli, my apologies, Paoso, um, Andrew McCulloch, Tyrell Sloan, who was another backline option, and of course the big in, I think, is Anthony Griffin for them. Uh, it, big in in terms of influential. Uh, the outs include Ewan Aitken, Tyson Frizzell, James Graham, who of course left midway through last season, Jacob Host, a promising uh, forward, Joe Lofadua, Isaac Luke, another one that was involved in the club, so he counts as an out. Uh, Jason Saab, Tristan Saylor was released, and Corbin Sims. There's a lot of uh, people leaving, and from a bunch of different positions. I'm, 
Honestly, guys, I'm scratching my head a little bit to find any positives for this season uh, based on that. I I would say uh, my positive would be that Jack Bird has a high ceiling, and if he can shore up the left center position, stay uninjured, and and, and Zach Lomas can go to the next level in his career on at right center, they'll at least have two genuine strike centers. Uh, Whether or not they'll get any ball is another matter, but... Um, at least, at least they'll have that. So I, I would say maybe, maybe the signing of Jack Bird is a, is a positive uh, for the season ahead. Uh, what do you make of that one, Kieran? Um, yeah, I've got positives, but I don't know to how much good it's going to come. Uh, I don't have much faith in the Dragons this season, but I've got. Uh, I like Ben Hunt as captain. I think in 2015 with the Broncos, yeah, he had the little maestro in Milford next to him, but I think Hunt often came up with huge plays himself and seemed to relish that extra responsibility of being that go-to man. Um, and the same goes in Origin. He always steps up. Um, and I also agree, I think Jack Bird will uh, return to um, some of his previous form. I think he's got a high ceiling and form one of the strongest centre partnerships uh, in the NRL with Lomax. Cool, we agree on that one at least, but I, I've, I've got to disagree with you about Ben Hunt, but I'll come back to that one. Um, Miles, what, what positives do you see for the Dragons this year? Well, similar to you, Bo, this is certainly uh, maybe even a, a backhanded compliment, but um, obviously, uncertainty ruled over the club last year with uh, Paul McGregor playing musical chairs each week in effort to save his job. Uh, this year, it can be certain that that will not be the case with Anthony Griffin, uh, um, who's the kind of guy where you, you really do know where you stand with him, and, and hopefully everyone on the roster will enjoy a full season at their slated position. Because I think that's the best <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, how's the bottom of the barrel going last time you checked it? Oh, that was... I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> barriers to success. I, I alluded to it just, just very briefly. Um, Kieran Kieran likes the appointment of, of, of Ben Hunt as, as captain. I, I, I don't dislike it, um, but I, I think it's indicative of a leadership void. Um, at the club uh, that he has been made leader considering how he's been shafted from position to position he can't lock down that halfback spot he has done in the past you're very right and in 2015 he was probably one of the best halfbacks in the comp Um, but that was that was six years ago and uh, a very big paycheck ago Cameron McInnes who is a, a born leader has been shafted so they've they've lost Tyson Frizzell, who's another leader. Of course, James Graham was also gone. He was another leader can, leadership candidate. And they just don't have these senior players that you can rely on week in, week out to give you a professional performance. I mean, maybe Andrew McCulloch would, would qualify as that. He's a very steady player. Um, but Anthony Griffin uh, isn't looking the most astute purchase right now. Uh, with some of the decisions he's making, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Um, I, again, nothing against Ben Hunt, but I just think if you can't, as a halfback, lock down that position, make it your own, and not lose it to a guy as as moderate as Adam Clune, then uh, becoming leader of the club, it's, it's, a, it's a make or break move, I think. What do you see as a barrier to success, though, Kieran? Um, well, I, I agree with what you said actually on Hunt now um, because it reminds me of Alex Glenn at the Broncos. I don't know that he was really uh, considered a, a first-grade player anymore when he was given that captaincy, and that's a bit similar with Hunt now. Um, but I've got losing Frizzell and then McInnes to uh, an ACL. I think that'll be huge, not just for their performances, but the professionalism and leadership that they bring. Um, and I've also got, is Corey Norman really still a bona fide first grade player? To me, he is the epitome of the quote, treat life too casually and you will end up a casualty. Uh, he just doesn't cut the mustard and to have no real sense of urgency um, or to take on enough responsibility to help guide the team from such an important, uh, I don't know, I can't make sense of what I was writing or what I wrote. But anyway, he's not he's not good enough, and yeah, as you said, Bo, I, I don't think a lot of the players are good enough for for first grade, really, at least to be challenging for a top eight position. Yeah, I, that's that's fair. Um, Miles, what are you thinking? Uh, some <laughs> can you can you narrow it down? Some barriers. I can I certainly can? Anthony Griffin, <laughs> just all of, it. <laughs> all of it. I mean, yeah, as you said, Bo, um, the the captain thing just. Uh, what happened? Just totally bizarre. Um, as you said, Hunt, maybe not even a first grader and like probably the least confident player at the club based on last season. And he's now the captain. And you got to imagine like what the hell the rest of the rosters thinks about that. Um, 
and even like you've got a, a fantastic young talent like Zach Lomax, and if, if you can't ask him to be captain, what, like when when can you? Um, obviously, all the the stuff uh, surrounding um, Hook potentially being a, a bit of a closet racist that came out at the end of last year. You, you've got to think that that sullies him even a little bit in the eyes of the players before he even arrives. Um, then there's the discipline stuff. He's like a noted disciplinarian and we, I, I just don't know if that's a, a viable coaching method these days. He seems to wear himself out so quickly at every stop that he's been at. Yeah, I, I just... What happened, Dragons? I don't know why this guy got hired. <laughs> I think it's just going to be like a... This could like be the potential car crash TV of the season as, as Seabold was last year. Yeah, I, I, I think you're. I think you're probably dead right about that. Uh, and I'm glad that you you kind of mentioned a few things, both of you, about um, some of the some of the personnel, which leads into my bold prediction, which is that Corey. Initially, it was actually that McInnes would not finish the season at the Dragons, but then Kieran, you reminded me that he did his ACL, so there's no way in hell that the Sharks are going to buy him early now. Um, so he'll finish his. He will finish the season at the Dragons. I'd change it to Corey Norman. I, I, you know, like I know that Anthony Griffin and Corey Norman have history in a in a in an okay way from memory. I can't really recall how that went, but I just don't see him being worth the the price tag that he has. Um, and when you have a guy like say Jaden Sullivan um, knocking on the on the back door, um, phrasing not good there, but. Um, I just, don't, I just don't see Corey Norman um, being your best option at 5'8 long term. And if it's going to cost you, what is it, $900,000 a season? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's the best option. So I, I don't think he'll finish the season at the Dragons. Miles, what is your bold prediction? Well, I, I sort of alluded to uh, Hook. Um, everyone knowing where they stand with the guy at, uh, at the start of this segment. I think... Um, I think his best laid plans will go awry pretty quickly, as they always seem to do. And I think that um, more than one player will be unhappy with where they're playing. And I, I think, um, actually, I think Zach Lomax will, will hit a level of form that we'll see Griffin uh, leave him, but n- no choice but to, to give him an elevated role at the club, at, either at uh, fullback or 5'8". Uh, costing Corey Norman a first-grade position, it would, you would have to assume. <laughs> uh, so that's all lining up very nicely for me. Uh, Kieran, what's your ball prediction? Uh, I've just gone for a little, a little simple, but uh, not good news for the Dragons. I think that they'll get the wooden spoon. All right, and that's a predicted finish for you. So they're, they're going to get the wooden spoon. I've got them in a shootout with the Broncos for the wooden spoon. So 15th or 16th would be where they'll land for me. Uh, Miles, I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, likewise. And a lot of that stuff has to do with health as well. So I think if they're lucky, second last, if not last. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for this first episode of the season. A little bit of a long one. Um, it will hopefully be a touch shorter next episode as we cover teams 7 to 11 from 2020, which are, of course, the 11th place Tigers, That which doesn't sound right. By the way, are we sure they didn't come ninth? I'm not sure. Um, so, 11th place Tigers, the 10th place Warriors, the 9th place Titans, and the two teams that snuck into the top eight before being el- immediately eliminated: the Sharks and the Knights. Thank you both very much, and have a lovely rest of your weekend. There's a full-time siren. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panellists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.